0: You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Rob, how you doing, buddy? You doing all right?
1: I'm doing great.
0: Yeah? Yeah. You weren't around last week. I did the uh the
1: Well, the... let's to be fair, you changed your mind like the night we were releasing it and decided to record something. Yeah. And there was, there was no opportunity. You, there was I mean,
0: you lived. It's the first one I did without you. I felt a little naked.
1: Yeah. Well, it's because you live so far. You've got your mansion up on Hollywood Hills. So far away.
0: Rob, uh, first of all, I was thinking about, you know, I did Dax's live podcast in front of 3,000 people. And I thought it went so well that I think we should do a live podcast. And, you know, I like to ask everybody out there, our listeners, uh, if we come to your city, would you damn well support us and come show up for a live podcast? I think we should try it. We need Uh, at
1: least 10,000
0: people in each city. No, we don't. Here's the reality. If 40 people show up, I don't give a shit. It's fun. We do it, and we keep building an audience. Yeah, let us know. Tweet us. Instagram us. Subscribe. I I say this every week. Subscribe. If you like this, Say it. tell your friends. Get us more listeners. We're very appreciative of that.
1: Who do we got this week, Michael?
0: Well, first of all, I want to tell everybody that Um, I'm going to be in Dallas on May 3rd, Orlando May 17th, Denver May 31st. And then Australia in mid-June for uh, so, conventions.
1: So what you're saying is make sure you avoid those cities because yes. Mike will be in town. And I'll then if, if people
0: want to know, I'm going to be in No, you won't. Denver, Ta- Tom Welling Denver and I will be at April. these conventions. I'll kill you. Anyway, our guest today is one of my favorites, dude. I don't know if you've seen this movie. It doesn't matter. This guy calls himself. I have, I have a book right here. Look at this. If Chins Could Kill... The Bruce Campbell Book, Confessions of a B-Movie Actor. This guy is so funny. He was stoned on the podcast. He was in Ash versus the Evil Dead, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, Briscoe County Jr. He's been in every Sam Raimi movie. He's, he's a fantastic dynamic personality and a great story, how his career started and how he's continued to work. He's just a glorious human being. So enjoy this one, folks. Inside of you is brought to you by Fat Scooters. I have two Fat Scooters. That's P-H-A-T. Every time, Rob, I go out and I'm driving these things, people stop me. Dude, where did you get? That is the coolest thing ever. I swear to God. People stop me all over. I got to have a Fat Scooter. If you want to check me riding a Fat Scooter, go on Instagram. There's a couple of videos on there. I I have a blast with these things. They're electric scooters built for adventure. They're stable. They're powerful. They're not these like these little rinky dink crappy. It's ridiculously fun. And you can customize these things. Pink colors. I mean, I like pink, but accessories, like they have these Bluetooth power like uh speakers, you have an iPhone holder. I've got everything on this thing. They customize the deck, you know, where you put your feet. Like a skateboard. Mine got says inside of you. you. Yeah, like a skateboard. Dude, I have a fatty and it's just awesome. You could customize all this stuff. Um, there's a lot of scooters out there, but nothing like fat scooters. It's such a smooth ride. Unlike those little rental scooters, like I talked about, Rob,
1: and you can get special financing. So you don't have to pay for all of it up front.
0: Yeah. And they go up to 50 miles an hour on a single charge. They have like beach mode, golf mode. If you are like a golfer, instead of buying a big cart, they have these things on the kickstand that you can put it on the grass. Ooh. Yeah.
1: Visit Fatscooters.com and join the electric scooter revolution now. That's P-H-A-T scooters.com.
0: Check them out at Fatscooters.com. They're my buddies and build your custom fat scooter. That's P-H-A-T scooters.com. Check them out. Let's get inside Bruce Campbell. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Are you comfortable? Yeah, not bad. Are we rolling? I'm Buddha style. Yep. We're rolling. You're Buddha style? Yeah. You can move that mic wherever you want. Why did you decide to do a podcast? Uh, career wasn't going anywhere. And you just, you're, just, you're a guy who likes to talk. No, you know what? I'll tell you what happened. Is this guy right here, Rob, he's my producer. He's, he's very bright. He's 28. He's Hello, kid. Rob. He's married. Hello. And uh, I was doing stand-up comedy. And uh, I had started stand-up, and he was taking pictures. He and goes, you got a face for radio, yeah, kid. Yeah, he said that. He actually just didn't say anything. I approached him, and I said, hey, pal. Uh, Why did you approach him? Who was he? I, I said, I'd love to get a picture because you're taking pictures of all the, the performers here. You uh-huh. with me here? I'm yeah. telling the story. I yeah, think he, he's taking, telling the story, right? He's taking pictures. He's taking pictures. And I go, I want, if this is the last time I do stand-up, which I only had gone on stage like two or three times, I want pictures to say approve. I
1: thought you did a lot of stand-up. Well, I did
0: last year, That, but when I met him, it was the very beginning of the stand-up, you see. Yeah, so you went from show, taking
1: right? pictures of random comedians to producing this podcast. Rob, is that is of. that how fast your ascent was? No, he was like uh, taking pictures of like uh,
0: big bands like Radiohead and doing a lot of things. So I guess it sounds like he was demoted if he's taking pictures of me. I know where your mind goes, Bruce. Got it, uh, Bruce Campbell. Thanks for allowing me to be inside of you this evening.
1: Yeah, I feel like you're getting into me already. You're getting into me. Oh, we just we haven't scratched a surface. You're getting to me. Getting. In. <laughs> I know that. I don't know. That's good uh anyway so
0: look long story boring this guy took some pictures i wanted a picture next thing you know he goes you should have a website and i go i don't need a website he goes no you need a website he's a good seller he said what do you know you take pictures right so i paid him a lot of money to do a website i liked it anyway then he says you should do a podcast it grew, funny. it grew from that and it grew into a podcast i go i don't know but yeah i've always wanted to do when everyone's doing one so next thing you know we're doing it and it's uh i'm having fun doing it. it's easy and actors
1: love to spew all the bullshit about their miserable lives. Well, this right? is therapy for me. And push, you just push a button for an actor, right? I mean, for an actor to come on a show with an, in an actor friendly zone, <laughs> oh my God, you must tell him to shut up after a while. Okay, thanks a lot for coming on our show. Yes. Cue the music. No, I, I, you know what's funny is I, I say this every
0: episode, it becomes therapy for me, Bruce.
1: Why? Because I need to find out that other, other people have miserable experiences. Yes. I like to know that other people are fucked up too. You know what's awesome? What? Read books about about actors. I do. I read your first book. And then the second new one is what? Further confessions. Of a B movie actor. Of a B movie actor. And 15 years from now will be the final confessions. It's really? gonna be a trilogy. Really? Yep, me and Star Wars, we do trilogies. Well, you know what's funny is I was just talking to my buddy Troy, who's like does extra work in
0: Vancouver. And he said he came up to you at a convention and he said, That book really changed my life. And you go, Why? Why did it change? Because I listened to you about make your own movies, do your own thing. You know, when you and Sam Raimi were out in the middle of nowhere, you weren't anywhere near Hollywood.
1: You learn from reading these books. It's not, okay, yeah, I'm randomly interested in, let's say, Sammy Davis Jr.'s career. So I'll read it. But there's a lot of takeaways from these books that are great. I already bought the fucking thing, Bruce. I think it's amazing. No, but here's the thing. I don't care if people buy my book. I'm going to continue to buy actors' books because I keep learning. Sammy Davis Jr., Ooh. he writes a book. Right. Stop the world. I want to get off, whatever the name of that book was. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so he writes it, very successful, and he goes, I've got more stuff to say. But he was too busy. He, he was booked, book, book, book. I was working. And he's like, I'm never going to write another book unless I get someone to help me write this book. So he found a married couple. That were huge fans of his. Were and they knew, writers, yeah, I okay, knew good. everything about him, and he would go to them and go, "I, you know, I need a, I, I want to talk a little more about this, about that, you know." And they would write it, uh, and then they would submit it to him, and he'd just make notes because he said, "If I do it that way, no, I'm not writing every single little tiny word, but the book is still coming out, so it's either no book or I get help." And he goes, "I'd rather have another book because there's shit that I want to say." So I had this book floating around. I'm I'm like, am I ever going to get to this, to writing a sequel to that first book, First Chance book? And I went, I'm going to learn from Sammy Davis Jr. I'm going to get a page right out of his book. I've got a Rob, Craig Sanborn. He's been with me now for 20 years. He does anywhere from graphics, websites. He does every internet, all social media graphics and shit like that. He can kind of do anything. So I said to him, How about this? Let me come up to Portland where he lives. And I love Portland. It's like twist my arm to go to Portland. Right. We're going to sit for a week and we're going to get a digital recorder. And we're going to, I'm going to tell you every story in that book. And we're going to, and then you're going to ask questions like a cub reporter. And we'll get the story out just by conversation. Then, so he took that. He took a week of ramblings. He transcribed the whole thing. How long did it take him? Oh, months, uh, months, months. Yeah. And, uh. Then he would do the first pass on chapters, and then I would take it and go, That's not how I would do it. I would do it this way. And I could mercilessly edit what well, because editing is easy. Did he hate you for a while? It doesn't matter. He was that was the deal that we made. That was the job. Is that you're like a co-writer, right? And your job is to bash this into shape. Right. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna polish that turd at the very end. Right. So that's how we did it. And I'm like, well. It, it's either it's not every single word, but it's actually close because the last pass I could just make it how I would do it. How many pages is the new book? I don't know, three, three something. You always got to get a certain page count. What does a guy get paid to help you write a book? What
0: percentage? Because Rob gets twenty percent of whatever this cat this I'm throwing him ten for a limited
1: amount. Ten percent, yeah,
0: ten percent of what it makes. I'm the studio. After cost.
1: You're the studio. So guess what? I've had to give a, him accounting that says. Here's how much I paid you for these three years to prep this book. So I got to get that back first. Right. And I just did a tour where it's all out of my pocket for a show. I got to get that back first. (laughs) Right. I just did the audio book. I paid for it. So we now have a number (laughs) that has to be recouped before he gets anything. Really? But, but I fully expect him to get some dough. Do you think he'll we got to number eight, baby? Do you think number
0: eight on the New York Times yes, bestseller? Thank list? you. That's amazing. Not bad. They are good. You know, the, the one book I read, I'm sure the second one, it's just a, uh, a continuation. It's the Sammy Davis Jr. of books. It is. It is. So I get it. Uh if if this half as good as the first one,
1: I mean it's gonna be it's a great read. Writing books is really cool though. There's no chefs. You make a movie, yeah. Oh baby lots of people with opinions you i oh baby
0: i wonder sometimes you've done so much work but i I could tell there's sort of like uh i wouldn't say animosity i would i would i would i would say animosity these are your words sir but i would say that there's something about you that you love certain aspects and you hate tell me what you love the
1: business tell me what you love about the business and then what you hate what i love about the business is i'm not digging ditches of course i'm playing guys who dig ditches sure i play soldiers but i don't get shot at um i like make believe you know how if sports because you're a big sports lover Mm -hmm. i find it amazing that like in olympics i've seen a couple of the olympic uh amazing events and you go that's when the height of physicality equals spiritual sports can become metaphysical They can take you to the next realm, and you'll go. That guy made that shot because something else was powering him. He was using the force. (laughs) You know, Jordan had to have the force in him for some of those shots. Right, godlike game win. Yeah, transcendent. But he's still doing something that's just physical. What I like about our business, for all the foibles, all the the tedium, all the letdowns, good words, tedium, all the hassle. All the repetition is sometimes during that take. After take, I'll go, that was spiritual. Give me an example of a time that
0: comes right to mind that you go, wow, I went spiritual. Was it like Bubba Hotep?
1: No, the last season of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Really? The character Ash gets to the end of his rope. Because he's just human. He's not a superhero. He has no super spy skills. He's not from another planet. Doesn't have a spandex suit. He's lucky. He can't fly. He's not even lucky. He's an idiot. (laughs) Guy can't even shoot a gun. We have a scene where he wants out. He's like, fuck this. This wasn't my plan. (laughs) He's basically explaining he's like going broke being a hero. You know, how do I? I don't even have a job. So we did. We did. We did a couple of takes, and I just asked the director for one. I just said, give me one more while we're – because we're kind of getting – Why did you want one more? Because I knew we were getting up to speed. Like you were feeling you had something left in the tank. Keep rolling, yeah. Well, no, we're not there yet. We're okay. not there yet. And so we did the one other take, and we by the end of it, we were both laughing because we were like, "That that's it. That's the one. And they'll keep whatever they keep of it, but me and the director both knew that it was worth doing. And sometimes an actor will ask for another take, and you go – like as a director, I've I've had that. I directed a VIP episode with there Pamela go, Anderson. Yeah. I directed good two work. two of those. Fuck. You you did it. You that made looks it looks great on a resume, man. <laughs> VIP, you can get the big shows after that. But there was another actor. There was an actor on that show who was actually a perfectly good actor. He did a a really good solid take. The camera shit was perfect. Everything was perfect. He goes, man, I gotta have one more. I said, you're not going to be able. You're not. It's not. It's not going to be better. I'm an actor. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. Uh, what did you think you would want to do differently? He goes, no, no, I got, I got, I got, you know, more in the tank, that sort of thing. And I went, <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you objectively, you don't need to do it. You really want to? We'll roll, but you'll be halfway through the take, and you're going to stop and look at me. And go, yeah, you're right. So we did another take. Were you we right? did another full Who take. Was right? I was completely fucking right because uh, you jinxed it. You shouldn't have said it. Well, he shouldn't have messed with what was good. So, and That's plus. True. I'm the director. We still use the other take see, anyway. We... <laughs> That's true. He ain't in the editing You have some room. clout with VIP. Well,
0: Oh, boy. But, you know, wait a minute. You, you st- what I thought you were going to say when you're talking about Jordan and it's that spiritual, metaphysical yeah. thing. But I thought you were going to say, I had this take where I forgot who Bruce Campbell was. I was no, ash. You do. It was out of body. Right.
1: No, you're, you don't see the camera anymore. That's a rare thing that does happen. It does happen. Yeah, I've had it. I think it, ha- it happens in a comedy. Center. Look, you know from clubs, you get an audience going and you're riding a wave. You are. Absolutely. You're speedballing. Yeah. That's why we you stay in entertainment. You're being dragged down by the, the weight of your performance, but you're buoyed by the response. So you're speedballing. Have That's you ever ball to, ball? Speedball? I, I haven't. I don't like to be pulled in two different directions. Are you... <laughs> Are you a control freak? No, not really. Do you drink? You drink. I drink alcohol. But you've never done drugs. I do. I smoke marijuana. Yes, I smoked with you. But that's not really a drug. It's not. It's the only medicine in my cabinet. Most fuckers my age have four. They got four prescriptions. They got- Your
0: age? I'm younger than you, and I have all
1: this shit in my fucking thing. They got got boner pills. I don't know. Guys my age. Maybe. Uh, Boner pills. They got uh, usually- weird everyone's got this some cholesterol shit nope don't have that um you got a little problems in your life we'll better get crack open that Xanax. Yeah, i mean sure. oh my god are you telling me to start smoking more pot i think you know you gotta do what you gotta do what's so awesome is my little crappy any crappy town now i went fishing last year we cut up the oregon coast which is unbelievably gorgeous through every crappy town there was a green cross sign I'm like, well, did you has, smoke in every town? well, I, I bought in every town, because I want to go see what is that Coos Bay dispensary? What does it look like, and who's running it, and what are they like? And what's awesome about pot shops? Liquor stores are still a little bit like porn. Not a lot of eye contact. I'm just going to get my bottle and shove it in a bag, and I'm just going to go to my truck and go home and drink my goddamn bourbon. I don't really want to talk too much about it. So they get in there and go into a pot shop. Hey, what's going on, man? And and you go, what do you got today? What's cool? Oh, we just got this great stuff. And they describe it like wine. Oh, it's got it. this great grassy beginning and a nice vanilla finish. <laughs> it's like a it's a passion. It's a, it's a real passion. It is. And they're experts. So every state is weird how they treat you. Some states treat you like a child in some areas, and some treat you like adult. Like in Oregon, they treat you like a child with alcohol. You've got to go to a state liquor store. And it says liquor store. You don't go to the local party store and get it. You can't get it at a supermarket either. You can get beer and wine. Right. So Oregon treats you like a child. You must be regulated with your alcohol consumption. But buy all the weed you want. right? California uh, now just finally went, of course, you know, recreational. But you can buy liquor on, at... at you know, sewing shops, the California. They don't, they don't care. So it's funny what states care about. Yeah, let me ask you. Do you remember how we met? A convention? No, no. no I think we met. We did a pilot together. Oh well, of course. We That's did, how we cemented our relationship. We
0: did, and I remember uh, Mission
1: Control. Mission
0: Control didn't didn't happen. Uh, you know, it was sad because I got fired from the. Well, I wouldn't say fired. Uh, what would you call it? Reshot. No, they didn't reshoot me. Oh, they never reshot. shot they, they never even got around to it? No, that. they let me go. They picked it up for five because they were going to change the character, and then they never picked it up. Right. And I remember you were really kind. Ah, don't worry about it.
1: I wasn't too t- worried. TV is, come on, man. That that's uh, You're throwing shit up at, on the wall all the time. I, I've learned a while ago, can't take it that seriously. I told someone this the other day. I'm flying in Rupert Murdoch's jet. Jesus. It's James. It's a James Bond jet. It's gold-plated, you know? Because he's... I'm doing the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. That's right. And I'm gonna go with a bunch of actors from other Fox shows to Monroe, Louisiana, and meet Terry Bradshaw down there. And we're Ooh. gonna we're gonna get this former CBS affiliate that switched to Fox, and we're gonna throw a party for him and make a big deal of these networks that are switching to Fox. Switching to Fox. So he wanted Rupert wanted. All of these people from shows. So I flew down there as a cowboy in the dumb outfit and everything, put on a show, big celebration. They canceled our show three days later. Are you serious? Yeah, so you can't. How can, if I was, if I got personally offended by that, I would go, those guys are assholes for doing that when they knew. The thing is, they didn't even know. No. You know, these guys are in hotel rooms with magnetic boards going, CBS, oh, my God, they got Dr. Giggles is on at 10. Oh, oh! Then let's put Mercy Me
0: across from it. At, you know, whatever <laughs> That's what it is, and it's all you know. It's they hire these marketing guys who don't even know anything. They're tap dancing than, as fast right. as they can. But you took me. You said we're going for a bike ride. Let's go. And we went to a bike ride. And you, I brought, a, I had, I think I, I borrowed one of your bikes. I didn't even have a bike yeah. at the time. I went to your house. Uh, you were getting ready. You, uh, I met your son, and then you took me for a bike ride. where did you take me? The reservoir. I think it was the Sepulveda Basin. Sepulveda Basin, and we smoked some grass. Yeah, man. Throughout the whole day. Yeah. So? Uh, I'd I never had uh-huh. ridden a bike while stoned. Oh, that's the best. It, it was uh, interesting. Oh, you're
1: Floaty McGee. I liked and it. On a bicycle. I was Floaty McGee. Durk, 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 and oh, we oh, ended the music you hear after that.
0: We ended up on the 18th hole uh-huh. of a golf course without golfing, and we took a shot at tequila to end our day. Yeah, at the crappy clubhouse. At the crappy clubhouse.
1: Nailed it. And it was it was awesome. That's I do the same thing in Oregon. You still do all those we things? Have a, we have a green, we have the, it's the Bear Park Green Belt Greenway, and it runs for 20 miles. It parallels the five freeway. It's a dedicated bike path. And how often do you do it? Oh, whenever I can. i just gone. I just disappear. See you. Riding to Medford today <laughs> on my electric bike. Oh, you know, electric. See, oh you got lazy God. on me. Before we were really pedaling, the oh, cardio yeah. was going up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What happened? But an electric bike changes your life because you go I'm going to ride 20 miles to Medford because I can because we have this one path the Bear, Bear Creek Parkway. it goes downhill because it's following a river and all rivers flow away from mountains so you're going downhill in one direction but then I got to get all the way back I'm like screw that I'm tired I already did the pedaling <laughs> and I'm too stoned but the bike now that I get the good kind is pedal assist <laughs> Because then you're still part of the program. The bike will not do it for you. I thought you. the pot was called pedal assist. That's a pretty good name, right? Pedal assist. I'm st- I'm still trying to brand screaming brain though. I'm working on that. Yeah, an Oregon Oregon right. weed, screaming right. brain. But yeah, bicycles are good. Electric bikes are good. Have you ever been stoned on set on a movie? Pretty or- rarely. I actually. I, I'm. I'm 2% old school about that, of getting yeah. getting liquored up while I work or smoking smoking. Reefer. Can you recall a moment where you
0: said, I got this scene, I know it in the back of my head, I'm going to get stoned, and it didn't go well? I'm only asking this
1: because I the think very I first, The very first time I shot stoned, the first Evil Dead. We went down there in 1979, Sam was 20, I'm 21, I had never smoked. You're still in college. We didn't go to college. but You didn't go to college. But we were college age. Right. I had never smoked it before. So here we are in Tennessee, rural Tennessee. We knew that we knew they had it. So our local guy, Gary Holt, he was our local contact, Gary Holt. You need some Mary J. We said, hey, man, where's that? where's that good Tennessee shit, man? <laughs> so he goes, okay, I'll get you some. And he got us moonshine too. But so we thought that we had a scene in the movie where we're sitting around a camp, uh, this fire listening to a scary tape recorder and passing a joint around. So we had all heard the story of uh, Easy Rider, Jack Nicholson, smoked supposedly like 50 joints in the course of this one scene around a campfire, all real weed, because they wanted Jack to give the crazy performance, which, of course, he got you know, nominated for an Academy fucking award. Did he have lines during that scene? I think he made them all up, but, you know. <laughs> so we thought, <laughs> let's do the same thing. Maybe we'll get some good improv. Yeah. We'll, we'll smoke some real weed. And so... They rolled it up. I'd never done it before. We get halfway through the scene. What scene are you shooting? We're sur- shooting a scene of sitting around a tape recorder, playing it back while there's- Dama Cross, they- all that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, a storm is going outside, and it was the release of oh. the evil demons. Oh, yeah. So it's supposed to be creepy and weird, and we're supposed to get creeped out because we're stoned. But halfway through shooting it, I left the planet. I it, Things became six-channel stereo. Did and your heart
0: start racing? Were you nervous? It wasn't
1: even that. It wasn't the nervous? I became uh, removed from my body, and I hovered about the set, and everything was in six channel stereo. And I was trying to decipher Sam's voice from all the other voices. I just I wanted to listen to how he was directing me, and for some reason I heard everybody else's voice at the same time. So it was a very difficult process. And then you know you start the early days of weed are time jump cuts right like two minutes later you're putting peanut butter on your matzah in the kitchen <laughs> and you go fuck how did i get here i love how you went to matza. Matza, that was our the go-to because sam at He's a e- jew. every every i'm di- a jew every dinner at sam's was matzah and you know matzah and eggs matzah was something we were forced to eat as children i don't know why like people just I, kind of lying I around i fucking love matzah I, I, I'll, I'll, put, love I'll put that. anything it's okay on I.
0: It. I like it all, in my older age yeah
1: yeah so the time jump cuts would happen and so that there was a time jump cut and we were all on the front porch, and I could hear the other crew members going, oh, "Sam, um, we we don't think this is working. You know, we're, we think we're wasting the time." <laughs> Sam's like, "Yeah, yeah, they got they got too stoned." Yeah, so <laughs> I was like, uh, and I felt really bad. I was so stoned, but I went, "I can I can do it." So I I think I tried to convince him of like, "So let, if, let me do it." Have you watched that scene, is it? Were you still- oh, there's four seconds of it. There's so- a there's a wide shot we used. 10 because feet you couldn't it. use much more, it was useless. I couldn't open my eyes during the scene. I mean, I was a little slit eyes, and I started to <laughs> lean over to one side. And I was just slowly, slowly disappearing out of the shot. They're like, "We can't, we can't use that." <laughs> <laughs> so oh my God. So yeah, um, that was it for you. Yeah, then do it again. Uh, n- not really, no, no. All right. If you focus on your work, it's hard enough. It is. I don't need the extra. You don't need the paranoia. Uh, no. It's so much better to embrace the paranoia where you walk into a restaurant and you go, nobody's even looking at me. I'm invisible, as a matter of fact. Do you do this? Oh, absolutely. The more stoned I am, the more confident I get that there's absolutely nothing wrong. And I'll make eye contact that normally I wouldn't even make because I'm like, if I was stoned, I wouldn't make (laughs) eye contact. So I'm going to talk to that waitress and I'm going to go, yes, I'd like two eggs over easy and I'd be very clear about what I would like as though I order it every day. And then when she comes back with it, I go, did I order that? (laughs) (laughs) Because I'd forgotten that I ordered that. But, you know, that's okay. It doesn't hurt the brain at all. Oh, my God. You know where I was. I like that. Embrace the paranoia. Play through the pain.
0: Do you think you could today if you got stoned? Do you think you could play through it? Like if I had to actually work stoned? Yeah. Um, You smoke enough pot now that I think you could probably do it. Oh, I could. Easy. I think you could
1: do it. I, I don't think I could. Well, interviews. You get stoned in interviews. Oh, there's nothing better. Is it before. fun?
0: Oh, are is, you worried about what you're going to say? No. Are you stoned right now? By the way,
1: a little bit. Before an interview is the perfect time because then what you do is while you're listening to the same question yeah. over and over again, I can hear the guy's cat purring on the other end of the line. Yeah, and so that becomes that becomes the interest of the interview. You go, I bet he's got it on his lap. <laughs> so you start to have a whole separate narrative. So you're not. It's not upset about all oh, the time they taking out of my life to promote this show i'm like it really it poses lots oh. of interesting questions rob how do you feel about this interview so far with bruce campbell yeah,
0: i feel great that's why they have editing this show is sponsored by better help Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra Uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate
1: lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you, and I like that.
0: Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. Bruce, what was it like being Bruce Campbell as a child? Were you always
1: kind of funny,
0: sarcastic,
1: up to no good? Um, I never really got in any serious trouble. It was pretty industrious is what it was. We were industrious little shits, came from suburban Detroit. Most of the people we knew at some point worked for the Ford, you know, Ford, Chevy, Chrysler, you you worked for a, one of the Ford families. Uh you know, we, my buddy's father was a Ford engineer, my dad was a ad man and their client was Chevrolet, so we owned Chevys cuz you that's what you were brand loyal. I think we understood the concept of working and building things so we built uh multiple tree forts um that were industrious we had a my my brother is six years older and i have my other brother is one year older so i was the youngest of three so we could use their know-how and my oldest brother ability to like actually build stuff and like saw shit so we built a tank in our backyard a full almost a full-scale tank made out of what made out of plywood that we stole from all the houses that were being developed in our neighborhood, and this is before motion detectors. The big bad dogs when I was a kid was a was a, a German Shepherd, Shadow. <laughs> there was one bad dog in the whole neighborhood, and there's no leashes, and so they would always attack this other dog, Frisky. But you know, it was life was simple. It was freewheeling. You could cut through everybody's yard. And they'd all wave at you out the back. That's what we did. We just cut through yards. Cut, cut right through yards. Drink stop. Out of, drink out of garden hoses. Oh, yeah. Why not? But you got to let them run because otherwise, they're if they've been sitting in the sun, they're all rubbery and hot. But the Lawrence's had a trampoline. We would stop and bounce on somebody else's trampoline, and they would wave out the window and let us do it. And the idea of bouncing on the trampoline at that time was to hurt the guy that you were bouncing with. We wanted them to get off the you bounce them off the tramp. Right. Otherwise, you didn't win. Right, right. We were breaking springs, and we'd come back. We'd show them we bought a new spring wave it to them through the window and there's no liability issues they're swimming in other people's pools did your parents were they very supportive of you did they let you just do what you want yeah we care. were free range totally free range kids we had a bell my mama we literally had a belfry and a bell at the end of our ranch house that was on top of the garage and she's like that's your distance you must be able to hear the bell 'Cause I'm gonna ring the bell when it's time to and come. And you better home. be home. You better be coming home. Did you ever not I didn't hear the no, bell, Mom. No, no, no. You couldn't pull that. Because then you lost your freedom. The only way to maintain your freedom was to be diligent about that. Because then she went, I trust you. If your mother stops trusting you, you're fucked. Even if you're doing if even seriously, <laughs> yeah, no, even I if you're even don't. if you're doing not like not bad stuff. If you're unreliable, because they want to know that their kid will not die randomly because they're stupid. They want to know that you you're develop some responsibility so we'd be playing softball and we it would be sort of a challenge of who could hear it because you know my older brother don is one year older. we competed in everything we're like that's the bell no it isn't yeah it is listen yeah it is take off on our bikes and we'd race home but there were no restrictions that whenever that was our one perimeter pre you? Phones.
0: were you a jokester were you the one that was always funny like bruce is gonna say something funny Here he goes. Or were you
1: serious? It was a slow development. I was not serious. Really? It was a slow development. It was a slow development. Because I
0: watch you as... What year did you do Evil Dead?
1: 1979. And how old were
0: you? 21. 21. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I specifically remember saying this. Like Jim Carrey, you were doing the shit he was doing before Jim Carrey. Like in Evil Dead, the physical comedy... And the chops and the good look. I just remember saying, "This guy is a genius."
1: Well, the half the half of the reason we're going back to do Ash versus Evil Dead is so I can fix Ash. Now that I have experience, I'm best known for the role where I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I'm playing Ash. I'm 21. How do you be an actor? Do you try and create a persona? You didn't know how to be an actor. You've never done anything. Oh, I did local community theater and a bunch of Super Eight movies, but that's it. I mean, none of us had any real experience. So what were you doing in high school? Uh, Doing plays. So you were doing plays? Plays and Super 8 movies. Okay, so you were an
0: actor. Yeah, I was an
1: actor. Right, but you hadn't had any. But this was a feature film. I'm like, well, I got to do this differently now. This is a motion picture. Were you nervous? Did you feel the the nerves? No, but you can watch as the movie goes, everybody gets better. Because we shot almost in sequence. In the beginning, it's very stiff. Hey, Linda. Ha ha. Let's... Hey, <laughs> here's a necklace I made for you. How about that? It was bad actors, inexperienced actors saying bad dialogue is really what it was. Do you remember thinking this is this is it? This is like no, this is really no. It. We were not. We were just concerned. We did horror because we didn't want to lose investors' money. We had all all our stuff was slapstick before. We Sam Raimi loved the Marx Brothers. Another guy that we wrote with Scott Spiegel, he was a huge Three Stooges fan. We called Larry at the old old folks' home. Larry Fine from the Three Stooges. We talked to him in like 1974. Wow. We called him. We had to figure out the time difference from Michigan to California. And his nurse was Mrs. Ross. You'd call about 11 in the morning, which was like 1 o'clock, you know, 2 for us. Mrs. Ross, can we talk to Larry? No way. Hold on. I'll check and see. Hello. Hello. Help us divide. Hello, so come on. Are oh, you yeah, serious? Baby, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, Larry Fine. Did you ever visit him, or see him, or meet him, or just the phone? No, just on the phone, which was impressive enough. So our influence was always comedy, but we felt very obliged if we raised money from like guys hard cash from a hardcore businessman. You better have you better have a plan. So we thought, let's do horror. You can have nobody. Can't lose with that. Look at all the all the classic horror movies of the 70s. Halloween. Jamie Lee Curtis. She was nobody. Right. She was nobody.
0: A lot of those movies she didn't. Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre.
1: Gunnar Hansen.
0: Nobody. You Still know? to this day, I don't understand. When I see a trailer for a horror movie, I think you don't need anyone. Anything. Or anything. anything. You just have a good story with good actors and you got it. What what is they always need stars? You
1: always need stars. Oh, hostile! You know you just put a guy's dick in a vice for an hour. You're done. It's two guys. (laughs) It's a (laughs) a guy in a vice. That's all you need. It's true. But so we that's what sort of left us into sort of taking a weird detour into horror. So much later in the game, we would inject the horror back, the comedy back into it. Evil Dead One is a melodrama and it's yeah. it's we can't bury she- we gotta bury shelly we can't bury shelly she's a friend of ours i mean just inane conversations yes. but played straight everyone talks about how campy it is it ain't campy it's campy <laughs> because we're failing <laughs> quite often that's
0: you know for you to be able to divulge yeah, yeah, that you yeah. could have easily played into it yeah no, yeah oh no,
1: we knew it was campy oh sure no we did not we so tried you were to- offended by this I was not offended, but if they like it, they like it. Then I don't give a shit. But what saved the movie was a lot of Sam Raimi's wacky visuals. And he was he really was ahead of the curve. The movie doesn't really look like other horror movies visually. How did you know that he he was that good? Sam was uh, right from the start. He was weirdo number one. What
0: year was this? When you uh,
1: Junior high school. I saw him the first time. West Maple Junior High School. I'm walking down the hallway. There's this guy dressed like Sherlock Holmes. Sitting on the floor in the middle of the fucking hallway playing with dolls. I was like, all right, let's go around that guy. Turned out to be Sam Raimi. And I busted him on it later. He goes, I go, you were that guy playing with dolls in the middle of the hallway, weren't you? I was making a movie. I'm like, there were no cameras around. You were just being a fucking weirdo dressed like Sherlock Holmes. So where did you with, get- the, with the magnifying glass. Oh, how very interesting. He walked up to people and like shoved it in their face. So I avoided him. I avoided him. Didn't see him again until 11th grade. I'm taking typing class. And I'm like, how the fuck does anybody wind up on typing class? Who who winds up in these classes? I took one. I didn't pick Typing. They assigned it to me randomly. I'm like, and I'd never gone to counselors before. I I didn't even know. I was very straight-laced. I didn't even know that you could, like, drop classes. I thought you take the classes they give you and shove it. It's it's school. It's not supposed to be fun. Right. I went to the counselor. I went, because I sat in that typing going, oh, my God. I looked around. Everyone knew how to type. I'm like, how do they know how to type? Isn't that why you take the class? I felt like the loser number one. Peck, 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 peck. Counselor goes, Yeah, you can drop the class. I'm like, Oh my God, what do you got? I got uh no, no, I got radio speech and went, radio speech. Wait is wait, stop what right the hell there. What the radio speech? Learn how to be a DJ. Oh, oh yeah, I took that Spinning too. and grinning, pounds of sound, stacks of wax. Dude, Grease. <laughs> this was still, spinning the <laughs> this still stacks was of wax turntables where you know, You're you're back winding mm-hmm. them and and in, in the cue mode. And and I went, I'll take it. So Sam Raimi was in that class. And so we started doing morning announcements together and that's how we got in the plays. I learned a very interesting political lesson in high school. I auditioned in 10th grade for the plays. I'm like, fuck you, man. I'm an actor. I'm going to be an actor. I'm, all I have to do is audition. I got this. I auditioned for like three plays in 10th grade. Nothing, nothing, nothing. They posted up on the, on the, you know, the, the door of the drama class. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me cuz I I know I nailed that audition. Were you popular? And it wasn't so much that. I just I'm like I'm as good as that other kid who can't even stand straight when he delivers his lines. The guy can't get his hands out of his pockets. I'm better than that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had nothing. But then I realized it's cuz the guy Jim Mall who was he ran he was the drama teacher. If you didn't have his class, you weren't getting in his plays cuz he directed all the plays. Oh, there you I go. I went uh, it's already political.
0: It's already politics.
1: Bang! Yeah, the star, the stardust in my eyes is already arc. starting to drop away. By the way, who was the guy with the hands in the pants? I I'll his remember name. his name. He was a tall guy who would bounce. He would bounce back and forth uh, every and he time the he would talk. And he would never cut his hair. In the 1970s, you know, hair was down to your shoulders. Yep. But I'm playing a newspaper reporter from the 40s. So he would just slick his long hair back, and you go... John Page was his name. John Page. Yeah, so John, I got your number, buddy. Fuck you, John. Fuck you, John. Who got that part? <laughs> Can't even still stand still. So, oh, it's a teacher. Got into John to Jim Mall's class Jim Mall. in in eleventh grade. In Lake Flint, I was in every play with Sam for eleventh grade, and we Sam were, acted in these plays. He too. did. Sam was the funniest mother scratcher. I still is to this day crazy crazy humor crazy over the top and what would you guys do for fun like what movies were you watching no right we now? just we just we shot we did super 8 movies we never got in trouble on weekends cuz we were like we got to make we got to shoot that uh the reshoots from it's murder and then 6 months to live we have to do some more footage we got we we got very industrial i think we did about 50 of these do you think those were the best times of your life did you have the most fun well, there weren't the job descriptions because the, the sometimes disheartening thing is when you go up into the business and you get into the world of unions, now everybody has a very specific job that they do. And there's a lot less of the how about this or how about that. There's not as much spitballing once you get up into the union levels. And I just thought that was always a little weird. You know, I was a production assistant for a couple of years before we made Evil Dead, and I'd work on these union shoots and commercials in Detroit. And I didn't know. I'd go to grab a cable, and this big, burly guy would go, Can't do that. I got that, buddy. (laughs) I got that, buddy. (laughs) But then I realized, if you worked a 14-hour day, at the end of the day, they'd let you carry those. i go, Need help with that dolly track? Yeah, I do, bud. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. You know, that's the only thing that I miss a little bit about it is the sort of spitballing where the lines were not as finely drawn of who did what. You know, everyone's little rice bowl has become very defined.
0: I think I was thinking more like pressure. When you're on a movie
1: set with Sam Raimi and all these people and you're just... Yeah, when you're spending money, it it gets less fun. You know, these bean counters who run these studios, a lot of these guys should be fired because they're actually really lousy with money. They love to pride themselves in thinking that they are the smartest guys in the room. Isn't that their shtick? I'm a, I'm Joe Businessman. I'm an excellent businessman. I'm tough, smart. I'm going to run a studio. Well, A, these guys, half of them don't even like movies. And if you don't like movies, you're not going to try and understand how to make them. So most of them don't even know what kind of film set. They wouldn't know what to say to anybody. You can tell... Anyone who's not a crew member or an actor, when they show up on a set, you can smell them. They smell agents. You can smell them Just a block before they get there. Feel Like they don't And they belong. come on the set and they're in suits and ties and they're the most uncomfortable looking yes, people. Yes. Yeah. Always. Hands in pockets, nervously shifting. Don't know where to stand either. Oh, excuse me. Oh, sorry. Oh, hey, watch it, buddy. Hey, don't stand there. They're it's always so getting true. shooed it's out. Of absolutely there. true. So these are the guys who are running the industry, and. A friend of mine supplied walkie-talkies on Batman versus Superman that they he shot supplied in. supplied walkie-talkies. Walkie-talkie rentals. Okay. Batman versus Superman, Pontiac, Michigan, a couple years ago, for the second unit. The second unit needed 200 walkie-talkies. This is guys pulling guys on wires and blowing shit up. You need 200 walkie-talkies and cell phones and iPads right? that are all programmed for production. All the numbers are all inputted. Great. That's a lot of walkie-talkies. It shows you the... Waste. The incredible waste. I want to sneak in. I'm going to disguise myself as a guy. Uh, hi, I'm from Harvard Business School. I'd like to uh, try an economic experiment with Paramount Pictures. Would that be all right, sir? Well, what do you want to do? I'd like to take one of your $200 million movies <laughs> and make 100 $2 million movies. 50 of them will suck. Twenty-five of them will be mediocre, ten will be good, and two of them are going to be classics that'll pay for every all all the rest of them. That's so true.
0: It's why so true. would you
1: put all your eggs in one basket? And as a result, and I've seen this happen: the screening process and reshoots. I follow actors randomly, like Hugh Jackman. I don't know why. I just follow Hugh Jackman on Twitter. Seems to have a fun kind of life, and like he <laughs> and, and he would tweet. He, he literally he would tweet. Will. We'll see if this is the last reshoot for um Wolverine. Wolverine. And he's like bleary eyed a shot of him in the back of some van at six o'clock in the morning at some godforsaken location. Well, we'll see if this is the last reshoot. The reshooting, the reshoots are drives me insane. I'm I'm of the opinion that you know what, dude? You had your shot. So now they're gonna test it with unemployed people in Pasadena at a mall. <laughs> And you're the fucking expert. It's
0: true, <laughs> sure they do. You're the expert.
1: Yeah. You got nothing to do. So I'm going to listen to you of like, oh, Act 3 dragged a little bit. Or, you know, oh, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Why is that guy so mean to her? You know, He's not that likable. I watched, <laughs> hey, there's a screening in Pasadena for the movie Dark Man. Mm-hmm. I worked behind, I had just gotten divorced. I was broke and Sam took pity on me and said, come on and work in the sound department. Because he knew I could kind of edit and do stuff. So I was working in the sound department, and we went to one of these screenings. So you screen it for 200 people, in a your multiplex. And then they keep a group of like 20 or 30 who have agreed to stay for a focus group. And they get these guys who are like, oh, what would they be? Psychiatrists. Okay, we'd like to ask you some questions where we'd like to find out a little more about what you thought. So one of the questions on the questionnaire was which scene in the movie did you like the most and why? And another one was which scene did you like the least and why? And one of the responses came back, the scene with the naked guy on the money. Okay, so in context, that's out of context. In context, it's Dark Dark Darkman, played by Liam Neeson. He's dating Fran McDormand. He gets blown up in a lab experiment. We think he's dead. She's going to try and move on with her life. She meets a very suave businessman, Colin Friels. He's very charming and good-looking, and he's a rich developer, and I'll show you the world, baby. So she starts to get wooed by this guy, and you go, okay, I guess she'll try and put her pieces of her life. Meanwhile, Darkman is living in caves and trying to put his life back together. So the developer goes home to his very nice apartment and walks out of the room, and he's obviously just taking a shower. He's all glistening, and he's got a towel wrapped around his waist. Gets to the end of his bed, and he opens a box, and uh, this gold shimmer falls across his face. And you look in the box, it's all these gold coins. And he takes these coins, and he pours them out onto the bed, covers the whole bed in gold Krugerrands. The camera cuts to behind. He drops his towel, buck ass naked. He dives onto the bed and starts basically making love to the money. He's just he's writhing in the money in right. X sixty. Cut to the next day. He's in his office, completely composed. And Fran McDormand comes to visit him. And and the way it works is you go fuck that guy's a sicko, and you're warning the audience is like no 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 right. You've given them some really dirty secret information on this guy. Like, you know, he kills little animals or whatever. In testing, everyone went, Ooh, I'm so uncomfortable. And so it was the guy, naked guy with the money. Why? Because it made me feel uncomfortable. So instead of the studio saying to Sam Raimi, you nailed it. Everyone who saw that scene it made him really uncomfortable. So they don't want Fran McDormand to wind up with that developer. He's a creep. That was the first scene they cut out. And I had told this executive at Universal, I told him repeatedly how it was my... I'm so glad Sam had the balls to shoot that scene. It's my favorite scene in the movie. And after that testing, we're walking back through the parking lot. The executive goes, Bruce, I'll give you you a copy of that scene because it ain't going in the movie. I'm like, you're a pussy. He said that? Yeah, you're a pussy. That's the best scene in the movie. You just cut the best scene in the movie out. Hope you're happy. And that happens a lot. Because you cut the edges off. Yeah. Because of the money. What if one little Billy in Iowa doesn't like the movie? So... Uh, God forbid your movies are. You can make ten, twenty million more if it's PG thirteen. And they're out trying to outdo outdo each other. And they're the trying... ratings thing is a big.
0: It's well, the whole of the... of Rotten Tomatoes. Don't get me started on. Well, that. Well, but
1: even beyond that, just the ratings thing, the ratings board, how you get a rating, how you get ratings, and why you get ratings are ridiculous, and they are not standardized. You see half breasts. You see a mole on a penis. It's. Um, yeah, we're very confused in this country. The first Evil Dead had no rating. We did not submit it to the ratings board. Because, you know, you don't have to. You don't. No. But some radio stations will go, sorry, there's no rating. I don't know. This might be a snuff movie. And some newspapers and TV stations will not take the ad. Because the ratings give them a bogus comfort. So if you don't have a rating, so the first two Evil Dead movies were unrated. And so Army of Darkness rolls along the third one. Universal makes it. It's now a studio movie. We're we're spending more. Contractually, we have to deliver an R rating. Oh, when they saw that it was us. Oh, the first two movies, you didn't seem to bother going through the ratings board. Oh, now you need a rating, do you? They gave Army of Darkness that has talking skeletons. Okay? A 12-year-old would not be afraid of this movie. They gave it an NC-17. Come on. So we called them on it. We're like, bullshit. Tell us what to cut. They said, it's the cumulative effect. We were like, fuck you. Opening five minutes of Goodfellas. They're driving along. Thump, thump, thump. Hey, what's that fucking noise? They stop. They open up the trunk. There's a guy bound horribly Against his will, in the trunk, and he's already They tried to kill him already. He's still alive for some miraculous reason. Joe Pesci takes a knife. Hey, fucking guy. Fuck, he stabs him 15 times. That's torture. R-rated. Army of Darkness, you lop a head off, dust comes out. NC-17. How much better would Army of Darkness have done if it wasn't an R-rating? Um, Exponentially better. It wouldn't have done any better because you know? they should have called it Evil Dead 3. Yeah, why didn't they do because that? Because Universal... They don't think about stuff like that. It's not. it's not just them. It's a studio mentality. These two little movies, Evil Dead, we don't know. Now, we got to call it something completely different so that, God forbid, the original fans would know what it is. We were going to call it the Medieval Dead. The Medieval, that's not bad. Yeah. Because that's what it was. Yeah, hello. So anyway, I don't think a ratings would have mattered a damn. You know... Very few people do a movie, their first film, and it becomes a cult
0: movie and then gives them an, an incredible career after that.
1: Well, an incredible genre career, sure. What do you mean a genre career? It uh, puts you, uh, well, I, you know, actors, wherever we wind up, you would had only limited control over what you've done in the past. I have only had limited control. You see an opportunity, you take it. That one first movie took off over time. We sold it around the world, but so it's easy to work in horror movies so i did you know maniac cop and, yep. you know no shortage of those but i was perfectly fine with it cuz it kept my feet wet it got me into the, it got me completely into the business and um it's only later where you go well, let's try some other stuff here you know i'm an actor not just like a guy with a chainsaw when was that moment where you're like you know what i don't
0: i don't want to, i want to do something different
1: i want to do something uh probably i moved to los angeles from michigan and so it was time to get out and get get an agent and see what you could get so I got knots landing was my first TV gig
0: <laughs> yeah and it
1: was like it was the last you should have left two right after days that. You of made shooting. it. you made it no no I thought it was really weird I thought I auditioned for it it was the first thing I auditioned with my brand new agent and I got it it was two lines I was playing Michael York's assistant I just had to look good in a suit okay I could do that I can do that so I show up to shoot it, and I had just come from Evil Dead Two, directed by Sam, who was like you know fifteen takes, twenty takes, incredibly physical. Lots of great camaraderie. We'd run back, look at playback together. We'd kind of I love we'd that approve takes together. Ugh. He was really he's he was really great. It was it was like your best play pal of like fuck that was crazy. Wait, let's try. Let me let's do one more How thing. Fun is but that do the thing with I missed the thing. that yeah
0: that it's, doesn't happen. It's, it's
1: rare because. It's rare. It's rare to have a director like that, and guys like sure. Sam Raimi are one in a hundred thousand. <sighs> Most guys will go through the motions. Men and women. We got a lot of good directors out there, but they're only good. Mm-hmm. You know, Sam is so far ahead of the curve. You know, I'm not yeah. sure how we got on this particular tangent, but Evil uh, Dead you, Two. When
0: you not landing,
1: right? So, so I go from Evil Dead Two, this really good experience. It was one of the best of the Evil Dead shoots, kind of. You know, and it made money, and it was good and i went to get on the set of knots landing and michelle lee was the star of it and boy you've been on a show for a long time and you know by the end people are done they're over yeah they are over it and some actors just sort of dial out some i'll just be in my trailer give me a call some get angry some get belligerent some get sick they can't handle you know whatever it's all (laughs) of the above yeah they were done with it right so I get in a to. I'm a businessman, so I. They go, okay, let's. Okay, we're gonna get ready to shoot now. They call me to set. I'm like, I'm, I'm supposed to be here. I'm running a meeting. I don't. I have no props. I have no props. I have this ill-fitting suit. Um, oh boy! And I go to the prop guy. Hey, um, can I have an attaché a shake? Yeah, can I? Can I get like a briefcase and like a a watch and like a ring, like a married guy? And the guy, he, he literally, he rolled his eyes. Uh you hang on. And he shuffled <laughs> away. It was the old MGM lot. <laughs> you know He I mean,
0: made him work for the first oh, time. All these
1: guys were like ninety seven years old. They were they were so over it. So finally the guy gives me this shitty briefcase, like a pen, you know, and a thing of crappy watch. And so we shoot it. I go into makeup and the guy goes, he looks at me and goes, You know, if I pluck between your eyebrows, you'll look much more intelligent. I'm like, yeah, okay. I got home. My wife was like, "Wow, you look pretty." She goes, "I've never seen more makeup on any human being in my life." Because they hit you with these oh, horrible late yeah, '80s yeah, lighting. Oh yeah, the worst lighting ever. 82 shadows across your face. I don't know what these guys were thinking. You know, now shows look beautiful. What the fuck was your problem in the '80s? Did you hate it? Did you hate Knott's Landing? I I I hated the experience. Sure. Because here's what would happen. After the very first take, very first take, it was a master, wide shot. Talk, 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 talk. Ready and cut. Michelle Lee looks right to the camera operator, not the director or the writer. Goes, Jimmy, good for you. Jimmy gives a thumbs up. Bang, moving on. Let's go. So if the camera guy was fine with it, it's fine. They didn't need a director, in other words. Oh, the guy was there. There was
0: just no respect.
1: No respect none that's just awful. i'm like that's all i've do t- seen that i didn't do I've tv that. for five years that's just after that yeah. i went this is the stupidest job ever did you ever have a bad experience with the director uh just recently i will admit is the first time i've ever told a guy he couldn't no longer direct me this
0: happened recently
1: yeah was it on something that you film
0: overseas
1: no you don't want to talk about it no
0: but you told him he couldn't direct you anymore. Yep.
1: you don't have my back. It you... was after one day of shooting, and I was a producer, so I could do this. And that's why you should become a producer. Because if someone doesn't have your back, you got your own back. How did you, what made you think he, that you were, uh, he didn't have your
0: back? What was it that you felt that?
1: Everything um, he thought was funny, I thought was terrible. Uh, everything I thought was funny, he was just not interested in. He was not interested in new ideas. He wasn't interested, didn't really have a plan of how to shoot something or block it or lay it out cocky yes as a matter of fact which was part of the problem because i'm like you don't know enough to be cocky i put up with one day of that and he next day i just he was blocking on set and i said let's have a little chitty chat i said you know why don't you be responsible for the scene and telling the story and putting these scenes together and blocking and I'll take care of everything that comes out of his mouth, what he says and how he says it, and where I am and what I do. So don't you worry about that. I got me covered. You got plenty to do.
0: So you do that, and you're going about your day. Does this work, or is there a moment where he goes, Bruce, can I just ask you to do one thing?
1: Bruce? No, if you want to chime in and actually participate in the process, I'm very happy to listen to all of your ideas. There was another guy, another instance. I went, he's never going to give me a single note. Not a single note after a single take. So I went, well, then let's just save a lot of time. Let's roll the take and we'll do two on a roll without stopping. And then that'll be it. And that was it? Yeah. And so I said to the first AD, so that's our new plan. I'm just going to roll it twice because I'm not going to hear anything. Nothing's going to happen. So let me just do two. I'll have a pretty good sense of whether it works. And we'll move on. So I've had to, and it's not of any great pleasure at all to do that. No, it was was a very difficult thing, and they did not take it well. And I get that, but I'm like, I said to the one guy, I don't know how you got this gig. You said that to him. Yeah. Was it? He goes, man, that was harsh. I'm like, I'm telling you like it is, pal. What are you bringing to this party? jesus yeah what are you bringing i've had there's been a couple of moments in my life and i i'm again i'm not proud of any of it i've also gone off on a guy who it was for safety issues you know uh, a guy blew off a squib right as i'm running through the door the squib was at eye level and it was supposed to go off after i cleared the door jam could have gone guy blew it off so i've turned around i'm like who 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 gave the cue and the director goes i did i go well then you can't anymore You've lost that you you clearly don't have any sense of safety. That was my eye. It blew off at eye level. Jeez. I could be blind motherfucker. So you don't get to make that call anymore. The effects guy's going to make. It's amazing call. how a moment like that could really just change your your mood and temper and just the way you feel for Oh, the you get clarity, man. You get clarity real quick cuz you go, it's not worth losing an eye no, for this entertainment. Yes. This is make believe. This is not worth this. Yeah. So, yeah, a buddy of mine on Burn Notice, Jeffrey Donovan, star of the show. He's across from a guy who's going to be killed in front of him. He's being assassinated in front of Jeffrey Donovan. So a squib, he gets shot in the back and a squib comes out the front of him. A squib meaning the explosive charge that will spew blood out. That's an actual charge that they're blowing. You know, so there's wadding. So they lined up. He's right across from the guy. They, didn't, they needed to stagger each other so that the ballistics would blow out and not go right at our star. They just didn't set it up right. Bang, the thing went off. Jeffrey whips his head around it. This thing hit him right, a wadding hit him right in the upper lip. And it, it swelled up to the size of a golf ball. And they had one more scene to shoot of him on the phone. He stuck the phone and just put it over his mouth for the whole scene holy if shit that was his eye it would have been gone
0: that's it
1: yeah in in the blink of an eye so do it have you seen the footage uh from that uma thurman got no i in, did not in, actually in a, in a car i want to watch that here's the key aspect to it right he goes you got to do it you got to do it you got to do it no i don't want to do it don't want to do it you got to do it, you got to do it because it. it's you the shot is directly behind her head and her hair is flowing directly to the lens it could have been my grandmother in a wig. You never saw an inkling of her face. It was dead straight behind. There was no reason at all for her to have been and put her in that ago. situation. So, part of it is hubris, part of it is ignorance, and part of it is you know he probably needed to learn that lesson. You can't just make actors randomly do stuff. And now the good news is, you know they've instituted tons of new rules in New Zealand for safety, workplace safety. We get briefings every morning. And, you know, it's it's a good thing. It just keeps everybody... Because now what it is is if you see something weird, you raise your hand and you say it. And well, nobody, nobody gives you the stink, stink eye, eye anymore. Right. No, no, no. Because we were about to do a fire gag. And I don't know about you, I don't like fire. No. And I don't like fire gags because even though it's behind you 15 feet, but you hear that of the the gas going up and you feel it all on your back yeah yeah it's uncomfortable i went to the safety guy i go i need you to get some orange tape and tape me a route out of here which way am i going in case this shit behind me goes south smart where am i going and no question about it built a beautiful route moved a bunch of shit out of the way i'm like okay now i'm ready to do a fire scene i also said this this show now i am not shooting a live gun on the entire series of ash versus evil dead i jerk my arm and i got a guy on set he's one of the electricians the first ad cues it ready and bang and so i know i'm jerking on bang the the lighting guy he's he and i are in such good state. he got he got it he knows when i would pause He knows when you're jerking he he knows when i'm jerking (laughs) and he'll get it right and he'll do a like a sort of a goldeny y flash oh, okay. from the from the gun. You put the digital thing, you put a howitzer cannon over it, and you have a very wicked you have a wicked shotgun with no safety issues whatsoever. Because if you have a live gun on set now, uh and even years ago, you'd come in, a guy would sh- he'd shine a light through the barrel. Yeah. And this is every time you gave it away to the guy, he'd come back and Nothing have to do this dance. Yeah, is that clear? You got it, bro? It's clear. Here, over here. <laughs> it's like I'm working at you know Pep boys Bay one Bay two <laughs> good Bay one thank you Bay two and it became a really Magilla and I don't like the noise and I don't like the safety yeah so we told that to stars and they were like hip, 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 hip. they kerfuffled a bit and, until they saw the whole finished thing and it's fakery folks yeah. it looks it looks beautiful because now you know in the old days you'd put it you'd fire a squib the thing the charge would come out of the gun and you'd have to watch the playback to make sure in playback you did not see the flash if you saw the flash it meant the shutter was closed yeah ridiculous yeah ridiculous there's none of that now now you go how far would we like the flash to be you make this beautiful orange flash to come out you know now you're seeing all this now and technology
0: but back then when you're doing evil dead and all these movies you're beating the shit out of yourself. I remember watching. I'm like, when you're smashing these dishes on your head, yeah. you had to have been hurt. Yep, you had course. to have
1: hurt yourself. Of course. Now we are shooting the first evil dead. Ash whips around, thinks he sees something outside the window, takes his shotgun and blows the window out. So we take the shotgun, put a shell in it. Camera guy's outside. Tim, Tim Filo. Tim, where are you? He waves his hand. I'm like, I don't know. I wouldn't be there. I wouldn't be there. <laughs> This is what it was. Come on. I wouldn't be there. Uh, I wouldn't what, be there. What if I, okay, I'll, I'll turn it on and I'll get out of the way, but I want to be near just to sort of check. <laughs> I go, mm, I'd be there. I'd be there. And so action, turn, wheel, boom, blam. Just shoot the shit out of a window, see what happens. And you blow, sure, looks great. Blow the shit out of a window. <laughs> later, later Ash has got some dead eight that's running away from him. He's going to shoot the thing from behind and like blow a chunk out of its shoulder. He went to the uh, butcher, got a big hunk of like roast. I think it was like a big pot roast, taped it to this dummy in Sam's garage, took a shotgun and just fucking blew the thing off the shoulder in Sam's garage, a shotgun blast in his garage, you know, and his parents are like, what's happening? (laughs) It's like, it's okay, mom. It's just uh, killing dead. Come on. Crazy. Just a gun. Just take a shotgun and just shoot it. Stupid stuff. What's your favorite,
0: your favorite scene? Let's just say your top favorite, two favorite scenes in all the Evil Dead movies. The one thing where you're like, this is fucking good. It was the part
1: it... that Dino De Laurentiis didn't want in Evil Dead 2. Which was? There's 20 minutes in the movie where it's just me. There's nobody else in the movie for 20 minutes, for two reels. And Dino got extremely nervous. He goes, Sam, you can't have one guy in a movie for 20 <laughs> minutes. The fucker go crazy. They'll die. They'll commit suicide. Like he just could not imagine that being possible to pull off. And to me, it's the best part of the movie. It is. And I'm trying not to be dickish about it. It's a bold thing for a filmmaker to do. Put your lead guy and torture him for twenty minutes solid, going through one ridiculous thing after the other before the others get there. Uh, yeah. And by the time they get there, he's completely whacked out of his Gordon. They think he's a horrible killer. <laughs> and he he wanted to cut that way down. He didn't he didn't want any What's your favorite line? Uh I don't know. You know, we made a bunch of them up. Did you? What, what, what was the most famous line? Groovy's probably one
0: of the famous lines. But did you make that up?
1: We we're ready to shoot a scene with Ash and um, and Beth Davids, who was who played Sheila in Army of Darkness. And Sam's nowhere to be found. We're like, oh God, can somebody find Sam? Let's he's shoot playing with this. dolls. Let's. Yeah, he's dressed as fucking Sherlock Holmes. So let's let's shoot this shot. Come on, where is he? And we hear him giggling over in the corner. And he comes over and he's still giggling. He goes, I know what you're going to say to her. I go, What? I'm not supposed to say anything. I just kissed her. He goes, No. (laughs) No. First, you're going to look her first. You're going to go, You're going to say to her, Give me some sugar, baby. (laughs) I was like, I'm supposed to say, Give me some sugar, baby. He goes, Yeah, it's going to be great. I go, This is the stupidest line I've ever heard. He goes, Shut up. You're going to say it. Then he got pissed. You know, like, You say that line. I'm like, Okay, okay. So, I finally got. I know that that line ultimately had power. Give me some sugar, baby. I, I was at a signing, and a guy came up, and he goes, "Thanks for give me some sugar, baby. Thanks for that line." Wow. I go, "Why?" He goes, "I was working in China, in Beijing, and I had it translated into Mandarin. I went into a bar, used it on a Chinese chick, and got laid. <laughs> give me some sugar, baby." You know what my
0: favorite line is? What? I think it's Evil Dead Two when you're looking in the mirror
1: and you say. Oh, you cut up your girlfriend with a chainsaw? Does that sound fine? That's fucking the best. <laughs> now, did you write? Did he write that? Was that written? Sam probably wrote half of it. But then, as we got going, well, Sam, um, crazy director that he is, he 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 throw new lines during the take. He just thought you were funny. He knew how funny you were, and he let you do. It wasn't that. I think he he realized let's manipulate this while we're while we're making this piece of clay, Army of Darkness. He'd keep the camera rolling, and he'd go, okay. Now you're going to say this. And he'd give me a paragraph. And you can remember a paragraph? Well, no, in the dailies, here it is. All right, you old man, listen here. Here's what's going to happen. See, now spin his chin, listen up and listen good. So I would be listening. In the dailies, you'd see me listening and listening. And then I'd pause going, because I'd have to say it in my head once at least. And then I'd look at the guy, and then I would say it, and I'd get fucked most of it. So I'd go, wait wait, wait a minute. What was it again? Yeah, come on. You see, you old spinach chin, listen to me. So he'd correct me again. I'd wait. So that's what a lot of the dailies were, was him trying new lines, like right at the moment. And why not? Why not? He did Darkman. He did one of the craziest things I've ever seen because I went to, you know, you visit your buddy on a film set. He was making this movie for Universal. It was kind of a big deal. I went to visit him. He's, he's got a 60-foot Dolly track set up. It's a pretty good run of Dolly track. Sure. And all this crap is happening with all these actors, and there's a lot of rigmarole, and this thing is – Tracking and tracking tracking and tracking, gets all the way to the end, and Sam goes, "Reset back to one," like meaning don't cut. So the grips like, "Oh shit!" So they push the thing all the way back sixty feet. The hair people would come in to do stuff. Sam would go, "Get out of my shot!" As long as the camera was rolling, he owned that shot because his biggest complaint was, as "Soon as Too you call time, soon as you call cut." everybody's coming you're, in to fix you're, things no, you're hurting cats half the people walk away right and too many people come in get out of my fucking Keep shot rolling. so he goes film is the cheapest commodity so he, he'd do he'd redo a 60 60- and now energy wise the actors are going oh fuck okay all right get ready back around reset and so their energies, they're spiking in energy because they're like, oh, shit, okay. And they button their jacket up again. They'd, fit, they'd fix their own hair. They all do it themselves. Well, oh, that's what we absolutely. do. And they know what they I have to do. I love that. I know what they have to do. Yes. And I know what I need to fix. You yes. see, I'm shouting out, do the thing with the thing with the... Ba-ba. Do another take, back to one on a roll. I mean, these guys... No time to think. Just do it. Nothing. And, you know, a lot of editors had a lot of extra work finding shit. So you'd have three takes on one. Sure. On one slate. He pioneered a lot of weird methods. Sam he he had a whole sequence in Evil Dead where it was, I want, Ash is going crazy, and it's another good sequence in the original movie. Every, I'm going to shoot the whole sequence at a 45-degree tilt. Oh, yeah. Visually today, it looks, it just makes it look like a modern movie. But I remember at the time, we were sitting around a table at this crappy rented house in Morristown, Tennessee, going, you want to shoot the whole sequence? Like at 45 degrees? And he's like, Yeah. I mean, he stayed up all night, like drawing these crazy storyboards. Unbelievable. And so we were like, let's go. And it visually, it doesn't even look weird. It right where it was in the movie, you kind of go, Yeah, everything's a little cockeyed right now. Right. Everything's cockeyed. And he used his former magician background. He loves sleight of hand stuff. He's got a thing where a creature's supposed to levitate. And we have twelve dollars to make this movie. You're not there's no stunt rigging. There's another crap. So the actress was Ellen Sandweiss. We called it the elevator. <laughs> she sat on a seat sort of between her legs from behind. And then she was strapped in to a seesaw. So two guys, and it went, so the camera was straight in front of her. And the she was standing in front of a window. And so the rig went back out through the window. Right. But where the camera was, you couldn't see that she was attached to anything. And it's two guys with a, a twenty foot pole, just pushing on a down. Side. No, just they push down and up. She goes. I remember, yeah. And then they could wiggle her a little bit side to side. No wires, no nothing. It cost a dollar.
0: Unbelievable. You know, so he
1: he used a lot of his just magician skills. He was uh, we used to do bar mitzvahs, me and Sam, and that's where he realized making hurting me in front of people works, and they laugh, and so he knows that that works because I was his assistant, hung low. We wore like lab coats. <laughs> And every time he would ask me to do something. Uh, hung low, yeah. Every time I would do something for him, he'd take a, like, a riding crop and hit me. And all the kids thought that was just the funniest thing ever. And so a big light bulb over Sam of like, Bruce plus pain equals gold. Do you guys, we're going to go, because we're going to go out to dinner. I'm taking you to this we are.
0: Um But do, by the way, Rob, you've never seen the Evil Dead movies, have you? Briscoe uh, County Jr., Bubba Hotep. Uh, the list goes on. Lineup. Mission Control that we were in, didn't ever air. Never aired. I've seen some of Ash versus Evil Dead on Stars, though. Yeah, pretty radical. Mm-hmm. Um, do you? Do you and uh, Sam ever go? We got one left in us down the road. Something big that we want to work on. Something like me and you, like old times. Something come on, I can see it in your face. I can see it.
1: It's sort of. I think we. I think we know enough that it, it's okay. We we've done it. We've done it. We did a lot of stuff together, you know. And you've done everything together. He's got forty-seven kids. And, you know, that's the only downside of what we do is that these jerks run off and start families. <laughs> and then it's hard to see, you know, it's hard yeah, to see yeah, each other. Yeah, it really yeah. is. And it's not nothing out of malice. It's just you don't have time. Well, you moved. And You're gone. I, I came, moved. I can't got, even go, get I, I,
0: stone smoked by riding bikes with yeah, you Yeah, I,
1: I took off to Oregon. I finally got him up. I got Sam and two of his pasty city kids up. Did they love it? Oh, they were injuring themselves every single day, and it was hilarious. The one kid, he turned at one point, goes, do you just hurt yourself every day living in the country? And you're like, shut up, we're, hung we like, like, yeah, if you don't watch where you're going and trip over that <laughs> root. You know. I took him to see the Bigfoot trap. I don't know that. We have a Bigfoot trap built by the Forest Service in the frickin' 70s about... A half hour, an hour from where I live in Oregon. And what is the Bigfoot it trap? It was built to catch Bigfoot. Uh, it was a trap. It was an elevated trap with springs. And it's still there. It was like an elevator. like a, It was like an express elevator, like a freight elevator an in the elevator. woods. An elevator, right. right. And Bigfoot presumably would go, oh, look, some peanut butter. <laughs> that looks good. I'll step onto this platform that has nothing to do with nature. And then the, the, by stepping on it, would lower it, and the gates would close. And now it's just a shadow of its former self. But the fact that, that our government built a Bigfoot trap is just so astounding. I want to come visit. You should. Come up. We'll do part two from my balcony
0: in I, the I would wild.
1: Like that. I think that would be fun. I think we'd have a good time. Well, then we could talk about issues like land management. I don't know much about land management. I'll share what I know another time. Do you have one of those
0: big bells to make sure everybody in your family is at back home at a certain time? No, I have a BB
1: gun. I just shoot them. Shoot them right in the arse? Yeah.
0: What's your uh, handle on the Twitter?
1: At Groovy Bruce. You always seem to tweet me and make fun of me. It's important to do that because you, love it. Uh, you I run love it. around uh, stoned with your friend singing silly Christmas songs. I do. Yeah. And I, I totally appreciate that. Yeah. but. You're setting yourself up for ridicule. I of love course. it. I love ridicule. Yeah. I feel you, you just got to look stupid. It's yeah. Just... I troll Tom Hanks too. Do you? Hanks is always looking down. He takes pictures of shit on sidewalks. Does he respond to you? Oh, no, no, no. Not like I do. Oh, no, 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 no,
0: no. It's Thomas Hanks. No, no I'm Mr. Mr. Tom Hanks. Tom
1: Hanks, America's favorite actor. And your book, bestseller, it's uh... Uh, Hail to the Chin, The Further Confessions of a B movie actor. Chronicles uh, pretty much uh, from two thousand and one until now. It's well worth the read. There lots of pictures too. Ain't going to take you it's long. Great. The audio version. If you got a shitty commute. Ooh, that's out. How long is the audio version? Six hours. That's actually so, pretty great. A broad dynamite. And it's you narrating. Yeah, you got to. If you if it's your stinking book, you got. And if you're a a bogus actor, you got to read it. Maybe I'll write a book. You well, everybody's got a book, dog. Everybody's got a book. Write it, because you, you'll you'll have a good one. I have some dark shit. But uh-huh. then you got to decide. Yeah, well, you got to decide. Who's going to help me? Uh, you don't necessarily need help. Not for your first one. You slug it out the first time. Really? Yeah. There I was on the set. My my bald apparatus was, was coming off in the heat. <laughs> I, was, I was shaved a, my it head. It was our I was, fourth reshoot. I shaved my head. I didn't want to be there anymore. My contract was up. I said, no, no. I quit. I quit. I couldn't stare at that good-looking Superman <laughs> for one more day. I
0: looked at myself <laughs> was with the nicks and bruises on my yeah. So, uh, thank you uh, for allowing me to be inside of you, Bruce Campbell. Well, you felt good inside of me. This was great. Let's go have some food, Rob. let hey. Thanks.